Welcome to What the Hell Happened. I'm here today with the never grumpy and always pleasant Mr. Lockwood. You got the wrong guy. <laughs> I know. You are definitely always grumpy. For sure. And we also have here a very special guest host today that we'd like to introduce to you, our very good friend, Monty. Hello, everybody. Monty, Hi, welcome. Monty. Yes, Hi. thanks for having me. I've uh, always uh, wanted to be on the show. Now entertain us. Oh. Dance. Well, I can't, dance. I can't dance. I don't think you'd want to see that. Can you sing? Not on the spot. No. Oh, okay. Give me. I need to. I need time to warm up. My he needs a course. shower. Yeah, I got a shower. I got a. You need a shot. Comb my hair. More alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I start doing karaoke, oh, okay. got to get me drunk first. Well, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Because they know a lot about us. No. Because they listen. Yeah, or it's organic. It's like, you know, like any good soap opera, you discover the person throughout the length oh. of the series. Yeah. Well, for any girls wanting to know, he's a single white oh, male. I knew this. I'm a single 27? male. 27. <laughs> did you say a single white male? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I am white, that's in how, fact. That's how the singles what, ads work. What the, oh, okay. And I do have one question for you, though. Okay. Before we start. All right. Do you believe in anything otherworldly, or are you more of a skeptic? Well, that's a good question. I think I'm open to believing in things. I think there's a lot of things we don't know. I have no strong opinions one way or another. So I guess, I, I guess I'm more of a skeptic, probably. Okay. But But if there was some really good... I mean, if it was really like... Like if I were abducted by aliens, I, I, could, I, I guess I'd have to believe it. You would, you would have to. Yeah. I can't or, write that one off. Yeah. It's just a night out on the town. <laughs> right. You know, with your boys. With my boys, my <laughs> green almond eyed boys. <laughs> yeah. Well, around here, we all pray for abduction. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> I don't want to oh, be abducted. I thought we did. No, I no, do. no, no. I'm ready. No. Take me. I don't want it. No. Where would they take you? Well, that's up for debate. Mm, Venus, <laughs> probably. <laughs> not where he wants to go, not Mars. No. Anywhere but there. <laughs> You'd be so sad. That's what they would do. You ever hear a Pluto? They would. Aww. I would be the dummy. Yeah. It is a planet. It isn't. It is. No one knows anymore. <laughs> Eventually, it'll be a planet again. So yeah. Mr. Lockwood tells me it's You know growing. what they would do? They would go, ha, ha, ha. We only are going to the center of the earth, dummy. That's oh, where we're from. That's where the lizard people live. Because we don't know how to get to space. That would be disappointing, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it would be extremely <laughs> disappointing. Then you would be like, oh, fuck. I did not want to get kidnapped by you. <laughs> Why do you think all the UFOs come out of the ocean? That's right. <laughs> From under the ground. See, he knows. He yeah. knows. Oh, yeah. He's up on the on the alien, the alien stories. We'll see. Well, would you guys like to hear a true story? No, a true story? (laughs) Yeah. I guess that's why we're here. I never throw the word true in there, but today I did today. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Okay. So today we will be talking about a man named Woodrow Derenberger and his fascinating 1966 encounter with a visitor to our planet named Andred Cold. Yes. Oh, I know this guy. You do? I've heard of Andred Cold, yeah. Yeah, um, so this is this is a huge one, and for all you listening, um, this may be, it's definitely going to be two parts, it may be three, so. Was this the guy that invented the religion? N- no. That Tom Cruise is part of? No. This is, this, this is the, no. the Men in Black. Oh. Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll see. You're going to learn more about him than you ever, in your wildest imagination, thought you would ever know about I this man. I know. I feel like I'm uh, pretty much an expert. Well, actually. You are? <laughs> I mean, I listened to a, a YouTube video about this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We kind found of, the right guy for this yeah. show. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm glad already. you guys found me at that bus stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually just trying to find my replacement, so I'm glad he's working out already. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have a question for both of you. You've already answered it. Have either of you ever heard of Mr. Derenberger or Indrid Cold? I have not. 
Mr. Lockwood has not. Monty has. Yes. Well, at least injured Cole. I don't know about Woodrow Wilsonberger. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, uh, my two main sources for this story came from the manuscript of Woody himself that was put together by his daughter, Tanya, in 2014 called Visitors from Lanulos. And also a book written by Mr. Derenberger's daughter, Tanya, that was published last year called Beyond Lanulos, Our 50 Years with Indrid Cold. I will put links to these reading materials in our show notes, and if you would like to purchase them, um, you can do so. I know that during my research, I watched an interview with Tanya, and she had mentioned that, unfortunately, if you order the book from Amazon, the profits go to someone else that had contributed to the book and not her. So the link for her book uh, will be directly from Tanya. You can contact her. And she did mention that if you get a book from her, it would be a signed copy if you get it from her instead of through Amazon. I've been ready for two weeks. <laughs> I've been ready for a year. <laughs> I thought this whole episode was just a book plug. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, a little Are bit. Are we, like, sponsored? No. I'm... Oh, I know that. <laughs> Do you have her number? <laughs> uh, I have her email address. Oh, even better. Well, I Facebook stalked her. I mean. Wow. Does Injured Cold have a Facebook? We'll get to that. <laughs> See, it yes. you get to asking these questions, and then mm-hmm. she gives you the look. I give you the, the shut up, the hold yeah. on and finger. Wait. Right, right. All right. So with that, let's talk about what was a very famous and well-publicized account at the time it happened, and has continued to be written and talked about since the encounter occurred just over fifty-five years ago. Woodrow, or Woody, as he was known, was born on September 10, 1916, in Parkersburg, West Virginia. After graduating high school, he joined Army Signal Corps, which creates and manages communications and information systems for the command and control of combined arms forces. This included military intelligence, weather forecasting, and aviation. It's a very earnest-looking man. Yes. He looks like my ex-wife's grandpa. Wow. He does. I know him. Yeah, yeah. yeah you do know he him. He does kind of look like him. That's weird. Reincarnation. Maybe that's him. Mm. Could be. Could Just doesn't be. age. Injured cold stops you from aging. Yes, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Do you know that? Cold. <laughs> I don't know that. Because he's cold. Cryogenic freezing. Mm. Solved it. You were, <laughs> <laughs> you were putting some pieces together. Mic drop. I love it. See you later. Yeah, I'm going to go now. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's over. It's over, folks. (laughs) He was stationed in Tampa, Florida, and was enlisted for a little over three years. After his military service was completed, Woody moved to Tennessee for a few years and then back to Florida, and eventually ended up back in his hometown of Parkersburg, West Virginia, in 1951 at the age of 35. Is he 35 here? No. That's a rough 35. Ah! no, he's he's, he's a little, 41. He's a little older than that. Yeah. No, yeah. He's yeah. quite a bit older, actually. Quite a bit. Six years. Right. <laughs> At this point, Woody had married a woman named Catherine. Catherine and Woody would go on to have children by 1966, two of which were a four-year-old girl named Tanya and her older brother, Craig. At this point, Woody was working as a salesman selling mostly small stereos and sewing machines. His job required him to do a fair bit of traveling to nearby towns for demonstrations of the products that he was peddling. He was a sweeper salesman. Yeah. (laughs) Well, stereo and sewing machines. It's respectable. That's what sweeper salesmen say they sell. But they... The Bissell. He's a product peddler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they really sell sweepers. November 2nd, 1966 was one such evening in which Woody returned home around 8 p.m. from a day of driving to and from sales meetings. Tanya, his daughter, and her brother were still up watching TV and playing as they usually did when their father worked late. They heard the sound of his work truck, which was a large Ford van, pull into the driveway. The kids waited excitedly for their father to walk through the door, and as he often did, prepared for him to greet them and play with them before bed. On this evening, however, As Woody walked through the door of the old farmhouse, 
Catherine and the children noticed that he looked rather frightened and was not at all his normal upbeat self. He had no color left in his face and walked straight into the kitchen, passing Tanya and Craig without looking at them or saying a word. Catherine was busy preparing his dinner and brewing coffee when he sat at the table with a blank look on his face. He asked his wife to have a seat and began to tell her the strange encounter that he had just had. Knowing that the kids were listening from the other side of the kitchen door, Catherine shuffled them off to bed before allowing Woody to elaborate on the events of the evening. I just killed a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. With a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, you guys want to take a stab at what happened to this guy? <laughs> well, ah, I see what you did there. Get it? So funny. Clever. That joke really cuts. That's all I got. <laughs> that's it. While driving in the right lane south on I-77 towards the intersection of Route 47, Woody notices a car in his rearview mirror. The vehicle had come up fast behind him and moved to the left lane in order to pass the slower moving work van. As the vehicle passed him, Woody noticed another object behind the car that was also moving fast in an attempt to get around Woody. As he glanced up a second time, he saw the other vehicle was unlike any other he had ever seen. At that moment, the strange object pulled in front of the van, slowing as it did so. It turned sideways, blocking both lanes of traffic, and came to a stop no more than 10 feet in front of Woody. At this point, Woody had pulled over behind, and with his van halfway on the shoulder of the highway, also came to a complete stop. As Woody sat in the van, wondering what in the world was happening, a door opened on the broad side of the object, which was being illuminated by his headlights. Out of the door stepped a man. He was normal looking with a dark tan complexion and dark hair that was slicked back over the top of his head. The moment he had both feet on the ground, the door closed behind him and the object lifted straight off the ground and hovered about 100 feet above the highway. As the man walked toward the van, Woody recalled that the man was well over six foot tall and weighed roughly 185 pounds. He had a jacket on that had a zippered front and under that he had a button down dress shirt and a pair of slacks. These clothes in themselves seemed very ordinary for the time, however, Woody was intrigued by the shiny metallic appearance of the fabric. The jacket was metallic dark blue, his shirt was a lighter blue than the jacket, and his pants were a darker shade of blue than the rest of his outfit. He walked in the rain towards the passenger side window of the van. Would you please roll down your window? I would like to speak with you. Woody was fairly frightened at this point, but regardless, reached over and opened the passenger side window. It was then that he realized that the strange man had not verbally communicated with him, but rather had telepathically asked him to open the window. You can either answer verbally or simply think your answer, whichever is easier for you. Woody was unable to even speak at this point, being so taken off guard that his own name popped into his head. Nice to meet you, Mr. Derenberger. My name is Cold. Do you work for a living? Do you have to work for a living? Yes, I work as a salesman. I am a searcher. Do not be frightened. I wish you no harm, only happiness. By now the man was standing right up against the side of the van. He had his arms folded with his hands tucked neatly under his armpits. He had a pleasant face and smiled kindly as they communicated. What are those lights in the distance? He did not point, but Woody knew that he was referring to the nearby city. That is Parkersburg, a city. Do all of the people live there? It is a place of business and trade. Most of the people live in the outlying areas around the city. We call them suburbs. Where I am from, we call such a place a gathering. Mr. Derenberger, look at me. I'm the same as you are. I sleep and breathe and bleed, even as you do. The man had still not spoken a single verbal word to Woody, but maintained a friendly expression. Why are you so frightened? 
Our country is not nearly as powerful as yours. After I leave, you should report this incident to the local officials. Then, later I will confirm your story. The conversation lasted about 10 minutes. I will meet with you again, Mr. Derenberger. Without a word, Cold took one step back from the van, and as he did so, the craft came straight down and stopped in the road, now facing in the same direction as the van. Mr. Cold walked in front of Woody's headlights, and within a few steps, entered the craft, and the door closed behind him. The machine, as Woody would refer to it, lifted from the ground with a soft, fluttering sound. As it moved above his van, he took off as fast as he could for home. Uh, so now I remember it. Oh, you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember it being a pretty good one. I told you it was a it true story. It doesn't have too much. No. It has mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a believable, sufficiently advanced. Dude looks normal. He doesn't look like an alien. The only thing is a Star Trek angle where everything's a humanoid. You know? Right. Funny enough, we'll get to that yeah. later, too. Woody described to his wife the machine that he had seen. It was 45 to 60 feet in length. Woody recounted that it was that the shape of the craft resembled an old-fashioned kerosene lamp chimney, sort of a large bulge in the center (laughs) of the craft and tapering into two narrower ends at each side. The G-string strapped over the middle. (laughs) (laughs) The tapered ends flared out. And I have a picture up here for you guys so you can see what that Mm. looks like. And he's right. It does look like one of those old kerosene lamps. It kind of looks like a Tootsie Roll. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the ends kind of untwisted. Yeah, like when you're starting to open the Tootsie Roll or after it's been poisoned (laughs) on Halloween. Yes. (laughs) Yep. You know, if you don't let your parents check it. Yeah. For yeah. razor blades when they put right. the needle in it it was a dark gray color the only opening was the door that mr cold had emerged from and he had not seen any lights on it at all and the only sound it made was a soft fluttering sound now what what exactly is a soft fluttering sound like a like a like a pillowcase like when you shake out your pillowcase and who's that fella in the door See that guy in the doorway? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's a good question. During this first uh, contact, he said that as Mr. Cold went to the door, um, there was an arm that reached out and like opened the door, and then he came in. But later on, we'll get to this in part two, there is, he finds something out that makes him believe that it wasn't a person that opened I see. So it's all the actions in part two. So- yeah. yeah, we just got to get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so far it's if I were to, because it's so real, I just, I don't know, sufficiently advanced creatures might be just like this. Okay. If they're the ones that are following some kind of contact protocol, mm-hmm. they would do a lot to limit how much you could see. Right. And I think, too, it's interesting, like, the kind of questions he asked him. Mm -hmm. They weren't, like, super... Yeah, he's like, I'm just a working blue-collar man like you. Well, my favorite question is, do you work for a living? Do you have to work for a living? Yeah. That that implies, like, you know, the utopian future where every man is a Soviet man and they're free. Maybe, uh, Maybe Mr. Cold is from the future. Yeah. Oh. I heard a story. You like the time traveling aspect. Yeah, it's like the Star Trek aspect, like where yeah. everyone just gets to do what they want. And he wasn't sure going back in time if people had reached that point yet where they don't have to do anything. Yeah. yeah. It's just advanced I like that opulence. theory. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So what you're saying is I should just shut up and just no. let it play out. <laughs> I, no, no, no. no I'm glad you've ask. heard of it before. Yeah. No, it's good to ask. Oh, yeah. I yeah. went to school with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You went to school with everybody. I really did, yeah. yeah. They were yeah. all there at that school. It was a big school. Yeah. Very big school. Big graduating <laughs> class, at least 6,000 people. Maybe more. Probably more. Woody was visibly shaken while relaying this encounter to his wife, who immediately suggested that they call the police. Being too filled with adrenaline to explain, Catherine ended up making the police report for her husband. The police said that they would need to give them a call back shortly. When the authorities phoned back... <laughs> Hold on, lady. We'll call you right back. I know. <laughs> Hold. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the, the, what is it, the hang-up sound? Yeah, click. 
And then they like leave it off the ringer yeah. because they don't want her calling back. Yeah. They're done for the night. Yeah. They're like, Harry, no more phone <laughs> calls. Yeah, those cops in the 60s, you know, they went home at like 8 o'clock. Yeah. They weren't, they weren't responding to calls Fuck, past They that probably time. went home at like 4.30. Yeah. They also didn't have cell phones, so no. they couldn't just be tracked down wherever. <clears throat> That's probably why they went to the coffee shops. Mm-hmm. There's less crime back then. Yeah. I miss those days in the 60s yeah. when I was alive. <laughs> <laughs> the heady days of 1966. Yeah. I miss those days, the way Hollywood shows them to me. Yes, absolutely. I miss the flappers. Well, like, you went way back. That was the 20s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a few decades off. Well, you uh, were behind. intertemporal, so. Yeah. Right, yeah. You just went where you I, went. I miss, you saw it all. I miss Dion in the Belmonts. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just make that up? No, that's a real that's a real group. No way. I wonder why by Dion and the Belmonts. Oh, yeah. I wonder why. I'm yeah. wondering why. Do, 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 do. So you wanted me to sing, so I'm I did. Oh my god, we got there finally. Yeah, now we can quit. Yep. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Bye. <laughs> so Catherine ended up making the police report for her husband. The police said that they would need to give him a call back shortly. When the authorities phoned back, they told him that they had received another similar report from two men that were also in the area at the time. No. Yes. They <laughs> yes. did this to someone else too? His name was actually Luke Warm. Luke Warm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> did you just hiss at me? Just <laughs> <laughs> <Dissed> your joke. <laughs> I'm just going to hiss at you when I don't like what you say. (laughs) That's what you do. All right. So here is actually proof of the police report, the written one, that when the police showed up to their house. It's real. That Woody filled out. Yes. So I wanted to give you guys as much proof about this true story as I can find you. It says right there, meth. Mm. Yes. No. (laughs) This looks like a a math SAT. It does. It does a little bit here. Dude. Is this trigonometry? What is that? Is that English? Yes. What is that? Seconds. One first time, 15 SNES. Date of the observation. What time? What time zone? 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought it was. Locality of observation. So this is where it happened. Let me see the title of this form. No, this is not real. That's not a police report. National Report on unidentified flying objects. Yeah. That's all. On no. aerial phenomenon. Where's no. Washington In 6, Was- D.C.? DC. No. Is that like a Hollywood lot? You're Washington telling 6? me. They report it. Well, just listen. Because Hold on. there's Hold, more. No, I have to go No, here. there's more information. Well, I have to agree with Mr. Lockwood here. I don't. I think this is a You're telling me document. that the Parker Parkersburg yeah. Police Department, they have these listen. UFO forms laying around they have fill out? Well, I'm, I'm not saying this was done by the local authorities. I don't. I, my, I'm incredulous now. <laughs> As Tanya describes in her book, she had snuck down the stairs and had overheard the entire story. This was his daughter. Shortly after the call to the police, there were a number of deputies, officials, FBI, and even a pastor from their local church showing up to document Woody's story. So the FBI were there. As the evening turned into early morning and everyone had left the Derenberger home and young Tanya had headed quietly back to her room to avoid being caught, there was again a knock on the door. Woody opened the door and there were four men in black suits waiting on the other side. Tanya thought the men were odd because at this point it was nearly three in the morning and the men were wearing sunglasses in the complete darkness. The men asked her father a number of questions, and then before leaving, they told Woody that he should not speak to anyone about this or talk to the police. The men in black. So what's the time frame here? How long after he had gotten home did the men in black show up? It was almost three in the morning. So he got home at like eight. It's not very far from Washington, D.C. Well, they're in the area probably because they probably saw the UFO. Yeah, they just drive around. Well, Parkersburg, Virginia, right? West Virginia. That's yeah, still not that Virginia. far. That's kind of far, isn't it? But Parkersburg is in the west part of the state. But I think that, it? like it said before, there were there were they a didn't number have cars. Then. There were a number of people <laughs> reporting this. And interstates. Did they have cars? Yeah. There were a number oh. of people reporting this, though. So oh, there so was. They'd already been dispatched. Probably. So, so what branch of the government do the men in black work for? The CIA. No, they don't work for a branch. 
They're mysteriously. No one claims them. Okay. Number six DC, man. It says right on the right. form. The Department of Defense. There you go. The men asked her father a number of questions, and then before leaving, they told Woody that he should not speak to anyone about this or talk to the police. Intimidation didn't set well with Woody, and he refused to answer their demands and threats and told them to leave his property. As they left, Tanya looked out an upstairs window and saw them pulling out of the driveway in a large black car. Can we see the rest of it? Hold on, my dog is snoring loud. I, I heard that. Can you hear yeah, him? Yeah. I want to see the rest of the form. Okay. Okay. Can I see the search warrant? <laughs> yeah, right? No, they just like let him There you go. Out. That's who they work for. The National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, part of the Department of hey, Energy. Here, I this, added that second Would part. you like to give out the address as well? Fifth, we should look it up. Look it up. You know, they do say that the UFO investigating branch of the government does work for the Department of Energy. It should. Mm-hmm. That's what. That's the major phenomenon here. Energy. That's all they care about. That's all I care about, too. Huh, doesn't show up. Yeah, because it doesn't exist. Nah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm debunked. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think that this this I mean, isn't it just convenient that Tanya just so happens to sneak back down and catch the whole story? Also, I had questions about that because she claims to be four years old. Oh, there it is. How many full on conversations do you remember when you were four? Well, I do have one memory from being four. It was my birthday and people were asking me how old I was and I was just doing this, holding up four. And that's fingers. the only reason you remember being four. That's you all remember I remember that? Right. I do remember that. Right. Yeah. So doesn't you know that seem really a little cool? odd to you? At this address right next door. There's a BB Bop. No, uh. Uh-huh. Wow. Who wants to get lunch? Y'all, listen. I'm if you buying. don't have a BB Bop in your town, go find one in a neighboring town because it's delicious. I think Ingrid Cold is a franchisee. <laughs> he might be. Maybe uh, he's opening up BB Bops yeah. DuPont, everywhere. DuPont Circle Metro Station is the building right behind that. That's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's well, an apartment. Here's this drawing. Do you guys want to see the rest of this? Yeah. Okay, mm. here it is. Yeah, so he was going north on I 77. That's what it says. No, he no, was going he was south. going south. Oh, I see. There he is. Yeah, headed towards Route Forty-Seven. Yep, Route Forty-Seven. Yeah. Know mm, it well. Yep. So, just a lot of questions and answers, and he 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 puts on here like there's because he has an actual statement, which I believe this is it. Woody um, does. Yeah. S- Statement taken from Mr. Woodrow Derenberger. And it starts out, "I am a married man." That's how I start all my official statements yeah. to the police. 50 years old, living with my wife and two children, ages eight, eight three and, and, and three and a half. So Tanya was three and a half. Is that Tanya or was she yeah, eight year old? Yeah, she says four huh. in her book. This is but. really sus. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was only three and a half. How can she remember? I don't think we need to read She hadn't had a thing. birthday yet where she had to tell everyone she was four. Yeah, so she didn't even know how old she no, was. No, she had no clue. Yeah, so how does she know about Ingrid Cold and the men in black? She doesn't well, even know how old she is. I don't think we need, I think that, we need to read that, this. Yeah. I mean, I no. think that... The, no, you don't have to read it. Well, I need to know what kind of car he was driving. This is important. He was driving a Ford Eco Van panel truck. All right. Well, he can't be believed. Econo Van. Econo Van. Sorry. Yeah. It's typed on the typewriter. You know what that is? You know what, we, you know what we call that around here? Hmm. That's a rape van. Oh, it is a rape van. Yeah. Well, I think this was before that. Well, 66 getting off of oh, close to the 70s. Oh, they had rape vans in the 60s. Trust well, yeah. this is all making sense now. The craft looks like a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> <laughs> He's driving around in a rape van. Trying to get people yeah. into the craft. He's shaggy, yeah. all grown up. I've got a giant piece of candy over here, kids. <laughs> Come on in. You know, strangers do have the best candy. They do. And the best kittens. <laughs> yeah, they do. I've never seen one, but they claim they have them. Then yeah. I, I wake up in a ditch every time. Yeah. <laughs> you got to quit doing that. I know. Every time you come to work on Tuesday, it's you look rough. <laughs> yeah, well, the glutton for punishment. You're the stray. Following day, November 3rd, 1966, was an eventful one for Woody and his family, as were nearly every day for years that followed. He was approached by a local news station to tell his story on the air later that afternoon, which he agreed to. <laughs> he moves quick. Hmm. Look at him. <laughs> he looks very earnest. God, what a guy. Yeah. He? 
He looks like he's a very fed. I know he does look like a fed. He, that's a fed. He's a fed. You think? Yeah. I really love his jacket. <laughs> Everyone looked like a fed in 1960. Yeah. Well, everybody looked like they were 50. Like by the time they were 25, they looked like they <laughs> they had gone through three divorces and yeah. had two mortgages. Well, they did because oh, wait, they all got they married did. at 16. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this was when the 60s. And so. that'll age you getting married at 16. Everyone started getting divorced. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a fed for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh! He's even got that cheap black tie on. I mean, look at that. Look at yeah. He's got. Look how he holds his pen. Yeah. He's. You can tell. He's, no, he looks like a salesman. <laughs> yeah, the feds are all salesmen. Yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's their cover. The yeah. FBI, they sell furniture. That oh. Yeah, but you're just like opening up a whole new door of like. Pandora's well, why would the box. feds start telling this story? Right. Well. Is it a cover-up for something else? It's because Ingrid Cold is actually a KGB agent. Mm. And these are all Cold Warriors. Yeah, but they would keep that quiet then. I don't think they would. <laughs> he would just kill him. You know, you might think so, but he has... Uh, the Department of Energy is investigating, so it's nuclear secrets. He does have a floating car thing, Tootsie so, Roll. He has a floating Tootsie Roll. Yeah, so this is proof that the Soviets were light years ahead of us. Yes. I think we're getting off track. Clearly. All right. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to let Mr. Lockwood and Monty listen to the interview with Woodrow Derenberger, and uh, we'll be back with some comments on that in a minute. You kind of get a feel, but you've heard the story, so. I mean, he has a pretty flat affect for a salesman. He really does. He does. He's not that charismatic. Well, his sales probably aren't very good then. Don't imagine. Yeah, I want to buy something from him. I, I would buy something from Woody. I want to buy a story. Yes, yeah, say I was buy the story. Oh, you're gonna him. buy this one by the time I'm done. I'm already convinced. You're gonna get Are me you? this one this time. This one's gonna get you. I know. After wrapping up the station, shortly after 6:30 p.m. He was exhausted and drove straight home. As he pulled in his driveway, he noticed that there were a group of people waiting to talk to him about the sighting and his contact. There were a few visitors that said that around 8 p.m. the day before, they had also spotted a ship in the same area. The conversations lasted until 2.30 in the morning, at which point Woody asked them to leave because he had to work in the morning. November 4th. While driving home from a sales call in Pomeroy, Ohio with a friend, Woody began to feel a tingling in his forehead. He realized that this was probably an attempt from Mr. Cold to contact him with telepathy. You should slow down, Mr. Derenberger. Drive carefully. We are following you, flying directly over your van. During our first interaction, I was asking you questions to calm your fears of me. My full name is Indrid Cold. I am from a planet called Lanulos. It is located close to the galaxy of Ganymede. Our planet is practically the same as yours. There are fields, woods, streams, and oceans. We have collected samples of your plants and vegetation, as well as some of your animal species, all of which are similar to species on our planet. I have a wife named Kimmy and three children, Connor, Connard, and a baby girl named Kimilis. On Lanulos, we have three seasons, unlike the four you have here, planting, harvesting, and cold. Our people live to be between 125 and 180 of your Earth years. Thank you for your time, Mr. Derenberger. I must be going. After contact was broken, Woody had a slight headache that quickly dissipated. His passenger in the van claimed to have the same tingling feeling in his forehead, but heard nothing of the conversation between Woody and Indrid. Woody did not tell anyone about this telepathic conversation until much later. Why, got... why would Indrid even bother to fucking tell him that and then not even ask him anything? Yeah, just tell him all yeah, that stuff? I just want to yeah. let you know. It's all good. I, I agree. Worry. It seems weird that he's just like popping <clears throat> in and like distracting him while he's driving. Never mind that it hurts a little bit, too. Yeah. I, I think Indrid Cold's just lonely. I think he needs a friend. <laughs> He's like, oh, I have this family. I live in Ganymede. And they, I can't um, stand them. I'm really far from home. Yeah. I actually... Uh, just looking for a good time. Yeah, you wouldn't happen to know any girls, would you? <laughs> yeah. I told them I went out for cigarettes about 10 light years ago. <laughs> right. And uh, I haven't come back. 
I got to be home at about three late years, so we yeah. got to make this quick. Actually, they only <laughs> live to be uh, 180. Mm-hmm. Between 125 and 180, I feel sorry for the motherfucker that makes it to like 121, like croaks. Yeah, that's like dying at 55. Yeah. That's like dying at like 24. I guess if you scale it properly, it is, huh? Yeah. What if there's a lot of... Probably in the wars. Cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Cancer. The cancer wars. Cancer wars. <laughs> That's how they fight. They have guns that every time you get shot with it, it just gives you like oh Hodgkin's lymphoma. Horrible cancer. Yeah. Very fast acting. Yeah. It's like six months and you're gone. I'd say six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it turns you into a, like a Rube Goldberg like yeah. monster. You're just riddled with tumors. <laughs> you look like the dude from the Goonies. Yeah. Aw, sloth. Yeah, yeah. He was in the cancer wars. Aww. And then you melt. And then every time you bite someone, they get cancer too. So it's like cancer zombies. Yeah. It's like rabies. On a gun. Uh, in space. It's, well, I mean. So what's military age for these people then? Like 15? They actually go to school until 28. God, could you imagine? But man, they go to school no. for so much longer no. now. Is that just K to 12? That's not even like college? Do they I, have I don't know. Space I, University. It wasn't that detailed. Well, see, I think back then it would be unthinkable that someone would go to school till they were 28. Now it's like normal. <laughs> I know someone who went to school till he was 27. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it's like normal. I was, I was but that was college, right? That wasn't like you were trying to get well, through 12th grade. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, I have a confession Maybe. to make. <laughs> Is that why you couldn't come to work well, on Mondays? Well, he graduated when he was 24, <laughs> yeah. so, like, from high school. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up on Lanulos. <laughs> he was that dude that bought everyone beer. You know, this actually explains a lot. <laughs> you know Injured Cold? I'm a 10th year senior. I'm his nephew. <laughs> Injured Hot. Injured Hot. I still like Luke Warm. Luke warm. I'm lukewarm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That might not even be funny, but I'm lukewarm. No, right now. Yeah. Lukewarm tap. Like, hyphenated? Warm tap. Lukewarm tap. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I like it. After the interview he had done the day before, Woody's story was picked up by nearby media and press and soon seemed as though it had spread around the world. See, here we start getting the Here are a picture of some of the reports, some of the media reports. Is this the Akron Beacon Journal? Parkersburg, West Virginia. Well, that one's from Parkersburg. I'm not sure what this one is. I will say one thing so far. I guess I've only heard him say a story once, but so far, it's he's sticking to it. Yep. Which mm. is a very important thing when you're trying to sell a story. Yeah. Well, he's a salesman. But if you keep adding, there's so many people can't resist. They always got to add. Well, it seems like he does add because we keep like hitting all these points. Do you mm, think possibly. that this would be something like if you were a salesman, do you think that this would be like the crown jewel of you trying to sell something? Like Vacuum if you could cleaners? sell this, then you were like the man. Yeah, a lot of people. It's not the, the salesman not the of money. all salesmen. It's not the money. It's the the, the notoriety. Really, it's the closing the deal. Oh, okay. You're, they're. You're getting them to do something you want them to do. I don't know. There's something about Mr. Derringberger that I want to believe. <laughs> well, I want to believe him. Does it ever concern you or make you think that, um, well, anytime someone sees a UFO, they're always kind of a rural person, like a country person. What are you trying to say? They don't well, abduct city folk? <laughs> well, I don't know. Is it they don't abduct city folk? Do they not trust the city, city folk? City folk are untrustworthy. We all or is know it, that. Or is it just something in the water in West Virginia? I mean, what's going on? Well, it's not just in West Virginia. Well, but I mean, it anywhere. does seem like they abduct more rural people. They do. It just seems like it. I it really well, does. They can single you out. True. There's fewer witnesses. Yeah. I mean, if you were collecting specimens, would, right. you, would you like to face 1,000 specimens or one? Well, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> also, why are we abducting cows? Well, there's a lot of cows, and they they might have mistakenly believed that cows were the dominant species on the planet, just by sheer volume of cows. I kind of feel like a cow would be just as interesting as a person. I almost spit out my liquid. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, when you disembowel... Like if, if it's a alien species yeah. to you, you'd be like, well, oh, the cows you are interesting. Wouldn't you want to study the other species on the planet like if you went yeah if you went to if we went to another planet and they had like a dominant species but then a bunch of subpar species wouldn't you want to check it all out there could be like cricket abduction 
carcasses laying all over the place, but you we wouldn't would know. know. He, Ant carcasses. Here's a thought. There's a lot of roadkill. Maybe they've abducted the raccoons and then they just dump them there on the side go. of the street. It's like no one's going to th- no, everyone's no gonna one's think actually, it's roadkill. No one's ever actually hit yeah. an animal on the road. Well, because <laughs> you think it, if you were to see a dead cow on the side of the road, that's like, holy crap, that's a dead cow. Wait a minute. I think you just blew my mind. <laughs> so you got to leave the dead cows somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Like in, the in, field. The, in the field. But like, you know how when you're, okay, this is a little bit and gruesome. And you leave, you leave the dead people in the river this with the hookers. A, right. Yeah. <laughs> Is all, that where they're dropping? All the all the bodies in like the East River and in, in New York City, those are just abductees. Well, I was just thinking about like animals on a highway, and you know how you see those ones that look like they got high impacted, like high splatter yeah. impact deer. Definitely, oh, was, yeah. definitely the ones that get hit by semi trucks. What if they're not getting hit by semi trucks? What if they're just being dropped from well, really high up? Maybe they're being hit by the Tootsie Roll. Maybe they're being dropped from high up. The splatter in front of pattern a would be different. It that, would okay, be. in front of the truck. Yeah. You know, if I was an alien, I would do that for fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I <laughs> trying to drop them right in front right of the semi. Right in front of the truck. See, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking more covert. You know, they oh. they don't want to be found. <laughs> no, no. So you're floating <laughs> around. A, Monty, it's a sport. <laughs> it could be a sport. I don't know. Maybe Ingrid Cold. You get points. And, maybe they're sadists. I don't know. A I planet know, of sad. You know, like I've seen Hellraiser, but maybe um. Maybe they abduct the the small forest creatures, you know your 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 woodchucks and your uh, you know uh, raccoons. Pimps. Yeah, the quail, and they take them, they cut them open, they look at their guts or whatever they do, harvest their bones or I don't know what they do. Eat the marrow. Eat the marrow. <laughs> they make salsa. You can make salsa out of the marrow. Yeah. And then they squirrel salsa. They leave them delicate. They don't drop them. They leave them delicately on the side of the road. Oh. And then they're like. You know, people are going to think it's just roadkill. Or died of natural causes. Died of natural Because, I mean, I, I drive by dead cats and stuff all the time yeah. on the road. It's like it's Who's going to see a whole squirrel and check to see if their mm-hmm. bone marrow has gone anyway? Exactly. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> I ran over a chipmunk last week. You did? I sure did. Did you feel bad? I thought it was a leaf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Our dog thinks that leaves are toads, and he's terribly frightened of them. Smart man. He yes. wishes the aliens were more interested in toads. Yeah. All right, we got to move on. This is about the time when hordes of sky watchers and UFO enthusiasts started showing up at the Derenberger home. They would just sit and watch the sky for hours into the early morning. They would gather in groups and discuss sightings. Catherine would even occasionally bring them out beverages and hot coffee. This soon became so disruptive to the family's daily lives that they would have to call the police and have anywhere from 30 to 50 people removed from their property. Unfortunately, as soon as the police would leave, a majority of the crowd would sneak their way back onto the property. Sure they would. (laughs) Yeah, you are looking around over there like you believe none of this. (laughs) Tanya remembers that at some point she became afraid of some of these folks because they were wandering around with shotguns and sitting in the trees on the property armed in case aliens appeared. This is the guests? Yeah. The people that would visit would come armed? Yeah, but they weren't like invited. They would just show up. And then they would just have guns. And Skywatch, yeah. Well, that's just West Virginia. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) It is. She ended up sleeping in her parents' bed for some time during this period. In December of 1966, Woody and his family were invited to Florida to speak with NASA by a former police... (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I don't have to do all the eye rolling anymore. Nope. You guys are sharing that responsibility now. (laughs) By a former police chief by the name of Captain Bruce Parsons. Wanting to get away from the madness for a while, they accepted and headed to Cape Kennedy Base. The best part is I've never seen Monty eye roll before. (laughs) Uh, So a police chief? guy invited them to talk to nasa how does that work so he was a former police chief from parkersburg and i believe that then he went to work as some kind of a guard at nasa and told nasa about it and then they wanted to talk to woody yeah, it checks out that could happen uh-huh Woody's story also was investigated by NICAP, or the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, and he then began receiving letters from the Air Force. NICAP hired a well-known psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Robert A. Jenkins 
to examine Woody for anything from insanity to epilepsy or any kind of head injury. So this is some of the report. So this is from a hospital. The next one I have is, so he, he got like medically examined numerous times. I think this is the one. Yeah, Robert Jenkins. So this is that psychiatrist. 11 and a half hours he talked to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they could find no evidence of mental illness. Well, and that was back in the 60s when they only had like three mental illnesses. Insanity, right. neurosis, and like schizophrenia. Right, right. Yeah, so, but they found none of those. Yeah, well, that's good. In his defense. Yeah. This was some authority went to Mr. Derenberger's minister at his church and obtained a like character witness statement to just see, you know, if he thought that Mr. Derenberger was a nut, basically. An atheist. Yeah. <laughs> Anything but Catholic. Yeah. Well, West Virginia, I don't think they like Catholics very know. much. See Southern Baptists. Mm. Yeah, definitely not friendly to Catholics. Mm-mm. There you go. Maybe he went to see if he was a Catholic. Yeah, but that's more likely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, papist. As so, far as Reverend Flew Hardy is concerned, he is not a Catholic. <laughs> Thank God. That does not say that. It says there is nothing of a derogatory or degenerate nature. Na- it doesn't with say Mr. degenerate. Like Catholicism. Yeah. No. And none of that is real. He's, he's not a Mary worshiper. God, you guys are the fake news around here. <laughs> anyway, there's all the proof of that. Okay. Hope you enjoyed it. I'd say he's sane just by listening to him. Yeah. He's clearly sane. Yes. As a result of his new fame, Woody would go on sales calls only to drive for hours in one direction to find out that the customer wasn't really interested in purchasing anything. They would make an appointment so and then... So it didn't work for him. The scheme backfired. It did. They would make an appointment and then want to talk about his encounter. Well, all he's got to say is, fill this paperwork out about this vacuum cleaner here I got for right. sale. And then I'll and, tell you. Uh, we'll talk about it. And how we do it. I'll sign your vacuum cleaner yeah. and off you go. This is the new Ingrid Cold model, shaped I, like a I, Tootsie Roll. I like it. <laughs> So making money became hard for the family, and they decided to pick up and move to find a little piece from the relentless questioning that they were going through. They moved to a summer cabin that belonged to Catherine's family and only managed to hide out for a month before being found. Next, they moved to the banks of the Little Kanawha River, but after numerous UFO sightings over the river, they were once again found out by the locals. Their next move was to the middle of a town called Vienna in West Virginia. But again, the peaceful atmosphere came to an end when a German TV crew showed up and approached them about making a documentary about them. Yeah. Uh, wow, Germans showing up in a place <clears throat> called Vienna. Yep. <laughs> That's mm. right. His name is actually Ingrid Koldschnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dog's name. <laughs> he, is, he is our operative. <laughs> My dog is very German. Indrid Koldschnitzel. On one occasion, while still in Mineral Wells, and after a crowd of people had been shooed away from the property, Woody heard a voice. Don't be afraid, Woody. It is Indrid and my friend Carl. Woody opened the back porch door, and there was Indrid, with another gentleman looking similar to Indrid, in both appearance and dress. It was a cold evening, but the three men sat on the porch and chatted. We are not superior to your intelligence here on this planet. We have simply learned to serve God and to live together with love and understanding. We have spent hundreds of years studying and understanding spaceflight, equally as long conquering gravity and learning how to bend distance in space. Well, we have different religious beliefs here. There are many, and we also have a lot of conflict. Why is it that we live in fear and hatred? It is caused by your inability to communicate with each other. Words are not enough. You must show each other. If your people had telepathy, you would understand each other much better. Everyone on Earth has the ability to communicate telepathically, but you have never learned to use it. Some of you have the skill, and it is easily taught. You yourself have the ability. Can you explain how it works? Thought transference is fairly simple. 
In order to do this, you must fully trust the person you are talking to. You open your mind and let the person look into it. You simply think what you want them to know. The impulses from a person's mind are stronger than any radio signal. However, you have to learn how to control them. No one can read your mind without your permission. Full cooperation of both parties must exist. Mental telepathy is impossible without it. If everyone on Earth could communicate in this way, there would be a complete understanding among everyone. Hatred and wars would cease. In our beginning, an Earth ship crashed on Lanulos. The survivors tried to repair it for years, but they eventually began to argue and went their own way. As the years passed, they began to miss the other members of their group and would think of them, wishing they could talk to them. As the desire to communicate with their friends became so intense, they began to hear the voices of the others and with time began to use mental telepathy. This was a gift from God they devoted their lives to learning God's way. This is why the people of Lanulos are so religious. Our world is led by the Guiding Council, which is comprised of representatives from each of the worlds that belong to the intergalactic circle. Each world benefits in the sharing of technology, medicine, engineering, and sciences. The Council will take any world's problems into consideration and will recommend ways of overcoming them. There is never any force used to resolve these matters. I'd like to invite you to come on to our ship. Woody politely declined this offer, but it wouldn't be the last time that this offer was made. And with that, Indrid and Carl headed back to their ship. And Gene Roddenberry fucking came in his pants. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> because I'm gross. <laughs> that is officially the end of the first okay. part one of Woody Derenberger. That's an emotional roller coaster. It's wild, right? Like so I, I think that if there was telepathy from humans that the world would have already ended in like thermonuclear fireballs like 13 seconds after nuclear weapons were invented well, there would be three kinds of thoughts like we never would even have made it to nuclear weapons we would have wiped ourselves out with like pointy thoughts. sticks yeah there'd be no secrets like everyone well, would just kill each other and I, and I feel like that's kind of like the case that Indrid is 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 giving is like if if you can't hide from everyone then you uh, everyone can understand you better and you'll get along better but i just don't think that's how it works that's I, called mental illness yes so i every- can't i can't imagine a world where you don't have like privacy even though he says that you it's a world without boundaries <laughs> right that's a great place to be i think lanulos is a planet of schizophrenic communists yeah hmm and public masturbators i feel like <laughs> I feel like in the 60s, though, do you think that this would, like, this kind of world would have been received? This is communist fucking propaganda. Yeah, this is what this sounds like. This is so written no. by the KGB. So, no. You know, you know, Joe Rogan's always talking about. Uh, yeah, this is like Joe Rogan's, like, well, this is, wet dream. This is, I think this is the starting the point. The DMT dream. Of the, like, oh, if we all had telepathy, Neuralink, oh, the aliens want to join. Is this before Star Trek? 66. It's about the same time. Okay, well, someone just watched Star Trek. See, I kind of was reading some of these things and thought the same thing. I was like, man. When did Star Trek first come out? I would look it up. Was it like 57? Because I didn't look it up. No, I thought it was in the 60s. It was early. 64 or something, 63. Because if Star Trek came out before this, then I feel like somebody's imagination went wild. Um, But if his encounter happened before Star Trek came out, then... But I feel like Star Trek... I mean, how many seasons were there of the original three. one? Wasn't that many? There was only three? Yeah. Well, it just depends on when that came out then, because there were points in this where I thought, like, this could be an early Star Trek episode. This sounds like, like a galactic federation of, like, peace hippies, y- that, you know? Yes. Yeah. All we're missing is Tribbles. <laughs> yeah, all we're missing is... Well, maybe Andrew Cold actually sounds like Captain Kirk. First Andrew. original, September 8th, 1966. September 8th, and this encounter happened in November. Uh Uh-oh. I think someone's a phony. Episode over. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So 
we obviously want to discuss this a little bit more, but I do have some like. Well, and how the spaceship land on Earth, like from Earth in yeah, a fucking galaxy possible. somewhere else. We're going to get into yeah. that on the next one. Uh, the this next, is like Atlantis, isn't it? Started this whole there's, thing there's off. There's a whole bunch. Yeah, this is just the initial encounter with Woodrow Derenberger. So this is a different kind of encounter just because the spacemen in this account are very human-like. Mm. Uh, typically... Yeah, Carl. Yeah, and their name... Uh, and their names are very... They're, some of them are normal. Pedestrian. And, but some of mm. them are kind of weird, like Cumulus. Well, you know what that and, reminds me of? Dune. Some people are named Paul and some people are named freaking Spice Man. Yeah. <laughs> Spice Man. Really weird stuff. Yeah. Right. So, you know, they come from an Earth-like planet... Um, and so many of the stories that we hear of aliens look much more scary and unlike us. So what do you guys think of that? That's another Star Trek feature. It's kind of interesting. That I right? pointed out early mm-hmm. on. Yeah, that's true. That's a good observation. Right. They were all like humanoids or energy aliens. Mm. How many shirts do you think that man went through in three seasons? How many girdles? An equal a number of both, probably. <laughs> one ripped shirt equals one hot green girl. With a girdle. With, With a titties. girdle. With a busted girdle <laughs> <Yeah>. lace. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that the story had a more humanoid kind of Well, th- that's alien. why I think this is a uh, CIA psyop. Right. And they didn't immediately abduct the man. No, they, they didn't. They weren't just like getting the fucking they tootsie never abducted, roll. Yeah. I mean, as far as a story. It's good. I would say that his audience it was targeted pretty well at. You know, Star Trek fans. 1960s rural Star Trek fans. He's trying to <laughs> yeah. sell. That go to church. Yeah. So he's. this is what's going to happen. Someone at his church told him, there's this great new show called Star Trek. I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch it. And then he comes back to church and everyone's like obsessed with Star Trek. And it just so happens everybody also needs a vacuum cleaner. And so he's like, hey, guys, uh... You know those aliens? I know one named Carl and one named Indrid Cold. And they told me... I bet you anything... Oh, we're jumping to conclusions here. Well, I'm... Big ones. Yeah, that's that's just what I do. Put just, away your jump to conclusions, mm. Matt. <laughs> no, I say jump right on. I'm jumping. I, he, just like He I, pulled that mat out. He's just, jumping on it. Just like I jumped from that, that bus. I like predictions. No, no. we. Yeah, yeah you can totally All right, do well, that. I'm doing it anyway. Do it. Go. didn't want me to or not. No, no, no. That's I, what we do with the I think, I think the, uh, the aliens are actually like Ikea salesmen from the future. The Lanulosians? Lanulose is probably like a brand of vacuum cleaner. What is from it? Ikea. Yeah, from Ikea. From They're Swiss, Swedish. Space Switzerland. Sweden. They're Space Sweets in Sweden. Same difference. It sounds Same thing. fairly Hispanic. What, Lanulose? Lanulose. Sounds kind of Greek, it's, actually. Yeah, Latin. Yeah. Greek, yeah. yeah. My name is Alexander Lanulose. Alexander. <laughs> People call me Alex. People Absolutely. Me- <laughs> I agree with you. People call me Indrid for short. Indrid Lanulose. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't I really don't know. I'm 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 perplexed here. Yeah. All right. So what do you think that Indrid's real interest in Woody and the whole Darenberger family was? Because that's interesting to me that he just kept coming back to this family. They're the only ones that could hear him. Yeah, they're genetic. Because all the other humans are closed off. And he's a salesman, so he has to be open to experience. Well, he's just a naturally open guy. It's genetically predisposed to telepathy. Yeah. Probably. He's just borderline. Yeah. Yeah, he's probably the first case of schizophrenia in the United States. Yeah, except he's sane. Clearly. Well, because they didn't understand schizophrenia yet. Well, well he seemed pretty sane in his... You know, I mean, why speech did, patterns. Why did this stuff always happen in the 60s? So, you know, what's interesting, and we kind of always joke about this because every time I bring up like an extraterrestrial encounter, every time we do something like that, and honestly, a lot of the good ghost stories or mm. poltergeist stories mm-hmm. were all kind of in the 60s, yeah. um, in the 70s. So I don't know. Like, I, I find a lot of stories that are in the 60s and 70s yeah. like this. I think that's when like, they... You don't hear any really good extraterrestrial stories like this anymore. It's when pop yeah. culture, it entered yeah. pop culture. So then the good stories that were around in the little nooks and crannies of the world mm-hmm. became accepted widely. Yeah. And then so, so you know, this got thrown into the meme, yeah. 
meme evolution chamber. Yeah. Like we just said, this kind of encounter doesn't really happen anymore. Anymore, it's like my cow got abducted. I got abducted. I went through regression therapy. And, you know, it was terrifying. And they were dissecting me and inserting things. Yeah, it's more gruesome. It's more gruesome. And the the creatures are not very human-looking. You know, so that's... This is definitely a story from, a, from I think, from like a higher trust society. I, yeah. I think we're very low trust. So, of course, all of our stories are like gruesome oh, yeah. dissections. And it's not just friendly alien. Hey, man, don't drive so fast. <laughs> right. Slow down, yeah. friend. <laughs> hey, buddy, uh, put your seatbelt on. Yeah, I'm yeah. worried about you. Use your blinker. You could be killed. Yeah. Also, let me tell you these 10 fun facts about me, my family, yeah. and my home world. Yeah, it's a really great place. Yeah. Land, yeah. Right? Don't, it's like wholesome aliens. Yeah, your forehead really. may be tingling and you may have a migraine, but yeah, please don't wreck. Right. Yeah, just take an Advil. Yeah, now it's like, who was that lady that the aliens were like owls or something? Oh, I can't remember her name. Yeah, see, all that stuff's just all like fucked up. It's weird, yeah. yeah. It's all just real gross. It's all, um, it's very hostile. Yeah, I almost don't like it. So we kind of already answered this one. Are we waiting for theories for like the end of this? Yeah, because you guys don't even know a fraction of this. Okay. This is just like the initial. So this is where she sets us up to look like fools later. Probably. I think we already answered this one, and it was, do you think that if we could communicate with telepathy, that we would all get along more peacefully? No. I, I really, think the answer is no. I do not think so I think you'd all. end up hating more people. I think it's called Twitter. We because you that. would know yeah. horrible things that the people have like, done. We actually like, already have that. It's called Twitter. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, well, I think... Look how that's going. A litmus right. test for whether or not you want to be friends with somebody is... Like minutes after you meet them, do you know every single thing, like every personal thing about them? Like that's terrible. Right. I, I hate no. that. So Google, my dog died and my but grandma's. Their mind you know. has to be open to it. Without yeah. that, you can't. But I mean, how many people would just be wandering around like, oh, my mind is open. And like, you'd just be reading them and being like, oh, yeah. well, like, no. Like, Everyone I ever met is like that is like mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Which, that's my point. Yeah. 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 I don't like those people. Right. Okay, so a couple more quick things. I showed you guys this picture when we were talking about Indrid and Carl. Yeah. This picture of Indrid and Carl, next episode we're going to talk about how we came to these pictures. But I do have to say that Carl's mustache is off the hook. Like, that man has an awesome, like, 60s. This picture of Indrid kind of does look like what I think that Indrid would look like. A KGB agent? Yeah, but he's got some fabulous hair. Yeah. And some ha- fabulous hair product. It's like real shiny and real in place. He's like, uh, he was listening to Flock of Seagulls yes. before they were even around. <laughs> yes, he was like the original inspiration yeah. <laughs> for Flock of Seagulls. I think so. I like it. There's like a whole can of pomade in that shit. For I real. Think, I think you might be right. I think so. I think he just hasn't had a shower for a while. <laughs> All right, and here's one more picture. Just quickly, this is a picture of Tanya as an adult. So this is Woodrow Derenberger's daughter and then she's holding a picture of her father just so you have a picture in your mind for the next episode Mm -hmm. of tanya okay real quick final thoughts so far yeah i think it's good i I, uh i'm willing to believe it i don't have any crazy red flags yet no no no, i think that like so far and, and there's so much detail there's so many police reports there's so many people investigating woodrow that it's kind of like this is the, like the absorption of the story part. Like you just have, kind of have to take it all in. There is a ton more detail. So this concludes part one of this episode. And um, next time we will be talking about we will be talking about the different kinds of spacecrafts. We'll be talking about oh, Lanulos, and we'll also be talking about some other kinds of aliens. Uh, yeah, good. We're getting into my wheelhouse. Right, where you can roll your eyes real hard and knock everyone out with them. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You love that. So, Well, you guys want to say goodbye? All right. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye. Do you have a story that's weird or fascinating? Would you like to have your story read at the end of an episode? If so, please send your story to wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. If you'd like more episodes and bonus content, join Patreon to become a member. If you liked our episode, 
please remember to like, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.